Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Uh, We are starting a brand new series today, simply entitled Light. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next uh, four weeks uh, looking at what the Bible says about light. I'll give you the same precursor I always give you. The series is slotted for four weeks. It could potentially go six to eight weeks. You know how things go around here. Um, But we're going to spend a significant amount of time uh, dealing with and talking about this subject of light. I just want to give you some facts and some figures and some illustrations, and then we'll get into the text. Uh, First and foremost, I think we all know uh, that light is very powerful. Uh, Perhaps you have gone to the movies, like a midday movie on a hot summer day, and you have sat in a dark theater, and you have watched a long, boring movie, uh, maybe like Lord of the Rings. Um, Uh, you know, uh, Matt's in here and and we made the joke last service. I'm with his niece on that. Uh, I tried to watch that movie twice and fell asleep both times. But, uh, those of you who stayed awake through that hole and you endured that whole thing with, with that, whatever was going on there, um, and you left that dark theater and you walk outside and the, in the noonday sun is just shining as bright as it can be, it, it can temporarily blind you for a little bit because light is so, so powerful. Two weeks ago, my family and I went to the beach and the first day, Monday, I deemed as shirtless Monday for me. I am not putting a shirt on all day long. And so I'm at the beach. I'm going to have flip-flops and shorts. And so we were on the pier fishing. And then we went to the beach. And I lathered myself up four times with SPF 50. And I still got burnt to a crisp, so much so that I could barely sleep that first night because just a few hours of being exposed to the, to the sun can absolutely bake a person because light is very, very powerful. Another fact about light is that if light is left to its own, it will travel in a straight line. That it, it is completely straight. But you can take objects, different objects in the path of light can cause it to bend or refract and and you can actually mold the way light looks. I want to show you a picture that was shot from a satellite in space. Uh, This picture is over uh, the city of Berlin at night um, and you can see a clear division in the way the city is lit up. Uh, One side of the city Uh, has LED, new lights, new light fixtures, and the other side still has the old light bulbs, the old light fixtures, and and one has a different tint than the other. I think that's, that's just remarkable the way you can manipulate light. We also know that light is incredibly fast. To be exact, the speed of light is exactly 299,792 kilometers per second. It is faster than you and I. It moves quickly. Traveling at the speed of light, you could go around the earth seven and a half times in one second. And I've used this illustration before, but imagine you had a pistol that shot a bullet that traveled the speed of light. 
you shoot it, before you could sidestep out of the way, that bullet is going to go through you seven times, or if you're a slow mover, maybe eight times. That's how fast that light travels. In fact, if you've ever used the phrase, in a jiffy, hey, I'll be with you in a jiffy, uh, you are actually referring to an existent uh, existent unit of measurement. A jiffy in the scientific world is the time it takes light to travel one centimeter. Light is fast. We all know that there are certain creatures that God created that light up through a scientific process called bioluminescence. Okay, so most of those creatures are in the ocean. We're landlocked here in the Atlanta area. Uh, a creature that we all would be able to identify with that is bioluminescent is a firefly, a lightning bug. Uh, you maybe like me, you remember being a kid spending hours catching those things and putting them in jars and, and, and watching them light up. Bioluminescence is beautiful. Most of the creatures on earth that are bioluminescent reside in the ocean. Like take the jellyfish, for example. You see a jellyfish in the day. First of all, you want to get away from it because you don't want to get stung. They're not, they're not very pretty creatures. But at night when they light up through bioluminescence, they're these beautiful, beautiful creatures. We know that the algae in the ocean and the plankton in the ocean also is bioluminescent. There was a video that surfaced a couple of months ago that I'm, I want to show you. It's of a surfer on the Pacific Ocean. And he's in the waves and you see the blue plankton uh, as he is surfing, that, 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 that bioluminescent uh, plankton. It's just absolutely beautiful uh, to me. In fact, when I was studying bioluminescence, uh, I, I came to find out that World War II planes, aviators, would fly across the ocean because in World War II at night, Video's still going, I'm sorry. Uh, at, at night, the ships in World War II, you weren't allowed to have any lights on. You couldn't even go to the top and smoke a cigarette because you, you could be seen from miles and miles away. So pilots would literally fly around the ocean and look for the bioluminescence that was caused by the ship's wake, and they knew where those ships were. Well, you might be interested to know that as human beings... Science tells us that we too are bioluminescent, that we too can radiate, that we too can kind of glow with light. However, the light that we admit is a thousand times less than the light of a jellyfish. So it's hard to see with the human eye. You have to put a person under a machine to see it. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus calls us the light of the world. He's talking in a spiritual sense, but also in a very literal sense. All of us have a, a certain amount of light that radiates from us. This brings us to the matter at hand. I want to start off with a trivia question. I was surprised to know that the nine o'clock crowd, they, they knew the answer to this. And you may, you may, you may as well. Uh, what, is, what are the first recorded words from God in the Bible? In other words, the very first thing that God says in, in his Bible. Well, in order to find that, we need to go back to the book of beginnings, back to the book of Genesis, all right? This is the creation account, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. And it was void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So I, I want you to picture this. You've got this big ball of water. It's dark. There's utter darkness. And then you've got the Spirit of God hovering over the darkness on day one of creation. There, there he is just hovering. You know, scientists tell us, and we've heard these, that stars, every, we have billions of stars in this universe, and this is one of 100 billion universes out there. So they are, there's uh, an immeasurable amount of stars. Every one of those stars has a fingerprint like you and I do. Now, their fingerprint is called pulsating. They, they, they make a sound as they rotate, they, they, they pulsate on their, uh, um, on their axis. And so real quickly, I just want you to listen. Uh, Matt, our production guy, has put together uh, some different stars pulsating. I just want you to hear this for a second. It may not be cool to you, but that's super, super cool to me. And so when I read Genesis 1 and 2, and, and I read about the Spirit of God hovering over those, over those waters, and there's utter darkness, I, 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 in my mind, I kind of hear the Spirit of God pulsating like that. You know, this beautiful rhythmic pulsation, and then it stops, and there's a moment of silence, and then that silence is broken with the very first words that God has for you and I. Genesis chapter one, verse three, the very first thing God says. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse four, and God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Verse five, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. Now, don't miss this. Which day is this? The first day. Now, this is the first day of creation. The first thing that God says is, let there be light. Now, I think many people, when they read this, they, they kind of picture the sun, the stars, and the moon in the sky, and God kind of turns on the sun, the stars, and the moon, and then light radiates onto planet Earth. However, when you study the whole creation account, if you go down to day four, you see something interesting. I want to take you there for a minute. Uh, so we're down in verses 14 through 19 of Genesis 1. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from night and let them be signs for the seasons and for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. We have the sun and the moon here. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser night to rule the night, and the stars. God set them in the expanse of heavens to give light to the earth. 
to rule over the day and one to rule over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. Which day? Fourth day. Okay, so day one, God creates light. But it's not till day four that God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Well, days one, two, and three all have a morning and an evening. And so the question is, how can there be morning and how can there be evening if the stars and the sun and the moon aren't created? In other words, before the sun, the stars, and the moon, there had to be light. So what kind of light are we talking about here? Well, we could certainly do a sub-series on this, and, and, and we could probably be in this for six to eight weeks. There's a lot of theories on this. A lot of them, to be quite honest, are over my head and quite confusing. So allow me to give you a simple layman's interpretation of what I find to be true. Are you ready for this? This is super profound, I promise you. Light existed before the sun, the moon, and the stars. It's that simple. Light existed before the sun, the moon, and the stars. In other words, for us, the beginning point of light, we, we focus on day four. That's when the sun got here. That's when we had light. The sun is not a beginning point for God. You know, without the sun, we would all die. God could live without the sun. God can live without the stars. He can live without the moon. But the stars, the moon, and the sun cannot live apart from God. Look what the prophet Daniel says about God. I find this interesting. He sees a vision and he says this. As I looked, thrones were placed in the ancient of days. Notice the title he calls God. The ancient of days took his seat. And if you've ever pictured God in a, a, a big white beard and white hair, here's why. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. In the, in the Hebrew language, it talks about his clothing radiated. It, it emitted light. His hair was like the head of pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. So God is sitting there in his light, and Daniel calls him the Ancient of Days. I think what we need to remember is that Genesis 1.1 is a starting point for us. But it's not a starting point for God. He is ancient of days. He has always been and always will be. And so God is able to create light from himself and not have to use the sun, the moon, and the stars for one simple reason. God is light. 1 John 1.5. This is the message we have heard from him and we proclaim to you. That God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. I want you to see the way the apostle John introduces Jesus into his gospel. When Jesus is going to be born, we read this in John 1.9. It says this, the true light, he's talking about Jesus here, which gives light to who? Everyone was coming into the world. And we know that Jesus says about himself these words in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And once again, no one records the word light in the New Testament more than the Apostle John. He, he talks about it over and over again. I want you to see John three nineteen, And this is the judgment. 
the light, Jesus, has come into the world and people loved the darkness. Uh Uh-oh. People loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So what exactly does John mean when he says God is light? Obviously, the Apostle John expects us to think about this for a bit. God is light. I think what he means is what we've just been talking about. He doesn't need the sun. He doesn't need the moon. He doesn't need the stars to see. There is no electric bill in heaven. In fact, all the things that we know that create light as we know it will one day go away. They will cease to exist. The stars, the moon, the sun. The writer of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews 1. Verses 10 through 12, he says, You, Lord, he's talking about creation, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. But here's what he says. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, and like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. You see, one day God is going to roll up this universe and all the universes and all the stars, the sun and the moon, and discard them because he doesn't need them to survive because he is light. In fact, John also writes the book of Revelation, and when he's talking about heaven, I want you to hear this description, Revelation 21, 23, when we're up in heaven, it says this, heaven is the city that has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the land. No need for the sun or moon to shine because God is light and he will illuminate heaven. Now I want you to notice for just a second here, I did not say that God was a light. And, 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 and we've got to recognize this, right? We've kind of got to get that Star Wars analogy out of our head, uh, like become one with the force, become uh, like use your lightsaber because there's this, this God that's light, but he's really not God. We all just become part of the force, part of the light. I mean, that's garbage. That's uh, regurgitated New Ageism. Now, I realize I just insulted Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, so our nerdy crowd, are, you're probably never coming back. Uh, but what we're trying to say here is that light cannot exist without God. So let's go back to 1 John for a second. 1 John 1.5 says, this is the message we have heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light. I want you to notice that John doesn't say that light is God. It's God is light. You can't reverse that. If light is God, then we could worship the sun, right? When the sun comes up, we could stand on the beach and and ohm and raise our arms to the sun and burn incense to the sun. But it doesn't say that light is God. It says God is light. That's an attribute of God. And so what that means for us in this series that we are delving into is that what light is on a physical plane God is on every level of human experience. And so if we want to understand the nature and the character of God, 
then we have to observe what light is. What light does, because what light does, God does. What light accomplishes, God can accomplish in our lives. So what does light do? This is basically threefold, and we'll do part two of this next week. I want to chat briefly with you about the three things that light does this morning. Uh, These three points are from a commentary from a, a man named Ray Stedman. The first thing that light does is simply this. Light reveals. Do you know why I can see you from this stage right now? Because it's light in here, right? And you can see me because there's light in here. If, if this was totally blacked out, this room was blacked out, I wouldn't know you were here, okay? If there were no light, I might be able to hear you, but I would never be able to see you. And I want you to understand something because we're going to be talking about this constant battle between darkness and light. Darkness conceals, light always reveals. Darkness conceals, light reveals. Ray Stedman tells this story uh, of him and his brothers and his dad. Uh, They were going to go see the Grand Canyon. And he said, you know, my dad was cheap and so we weren't going to stay in a hotel. We threw some sleeping bags in the car and and we were just going to camp out under the stars. He said, well, we had some car trouble. And we didn't arrive until well after midnight. And so we found a spot in the road, pulled the car over inside the park. We took out our sleeping bags and we walked in a few feet into the trees, threw them down and went to sleep. He said, we were exhausted. Then he writes, when we woke up in the morning, the sun was high. I woke first, rolled over. And to my astonishment, I found I had been sleeping within arm's length of the edge of that mighty canyon. He said, had I rolled over in my sleep, I would have plummeted 500 feet to my death. In the darkness, we had not seen it, but the light made it clear. That's the first function of light. It enables us to see things that have been there the whole time that we could have never seen until that light shines. That's exactly what John is getting to God also does that. God reveals reality. God, through Christ, opens up our spiritual eyes with light and our heart comes to life and into focus and we can see clearly without distortion. It also reveals to us we're sinful, right? You shine light in the darkness, you can see things that were hidden for years, correct? Reminds me of a story I've, uh, I've heard about the O'Leary family and the McMillan family. The O'Learys and the McMillans lived as neighbors uh, right when electricity was being created and, and putting into, uh, put into people's homes. One day, a young man uh, with a suitcase went door to door to explain that the town would soon have electricity for the very first time and you could have electricity in your house. Well, the McMillan family, they were excited. They filled out all the paperwork. They responded with enthusiasm. The the O'Leary family were very cautious. They said, you know what? My father lived without electricity. My grandfather, their fathers, people have been living without years. We don't need it. This is just a fad. So we'll see how it goes and we'll decide later whether or not we want electricity. Well, in the weeks that followed, the McMillan family busily Repair, repaired their house, prepared their house. 
to receive electrical power. They clamp wires, sockets, hung light bulbs from the ceiling. And then the big day came. They were going to have a lighting party. They invited their neighbors and they were going to turn the lights on in their house for the very first time. Mr. McMillan threw the switch on and the bulbs began to glow for the first time. And that house was illuminated more brightly than it had ever been in years past. And then all of a sudden there was a gasp and someone said, how lovely. And then there was another gasp and someone said, how filthy. And it was true. No one had noticed it before the dim light, but years of oil lamps had left a film of dinge and soot all over everything. The walls were grimy. There were cobwebs in the corner. The dust covered the floor. The O'Learys decided right then and there they would never install electricity in their home. They would never have to suffer the humiliation of having their dirty home exposed to the light. But after the party, the McMillans went to work. They scrubbed the soot off the walls, the ceiling. They cleaned the cobwebs. They cleaned the floor. They swept away the dust. They had been embarrassed by their dirty home when the lights came on. But within a day, their house was cleaner than it had ever been before. Meanwhile, the O'Learys continued to live comfortably in their dimly lit home filled with soot, cobwebs, and filth. Many people today choose to live in the darkness. They don't want anyone to see their dirt. They don't want anyone to really know what's going on in their lives. It's, it's embarrassing, right? And sometimes they don't even want to see it themselves. That's why we constantly have the TV or the radio or our headphones on because in the silence we're, we're forced to examine ourselves and so we just keep our mind busy and active so we can avoid it. They avoid the light for fear that they will see the truth and be forced to change because light reveals. John says in John 3, 19 and 21, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen and that his works have been carried out in God. So light reveals. God reveals to us that we're kind of jacked up inside. We, we, we are messy. We need cleansing. The second thing that light does is it measures it measures. Have you ever been in Home Depot or Lowe's? Maybe you've seen a contractor kind of gathering wood, or maybe you've done this. I've done this a time or two. And so you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll need two-by-fours. And, and what you'll see people do is they'll take that two-by-four, and they'll kind of hold it up like this on their shoulder, and they'll, they'll be looking down that two-by-four. What are they doing? They, listen, I've bought too many boards from Home Depot that are gnarly and messed up, right? I know we've all been there. And so they want to make sure they have a straight board. What are they measuring against? Light. You couldn't do that in the darkness. It's a beam of light. Remember, light is straight. And so if there's a crook in the board, they know that the board is no good because light is used to measure. Light is the most common measuring stick we have in the universe, we measure whether things are straight or crooked by light. 
Surveyors use light to measure distance and angles to see what's up, down, high, low, left or right. They have those little instruments that they look through, they sight through with a small telescope and it, it captures light. It uses light as a measurement. In the vast, unlimitable reaches of space today, the only adequate measuring stick we have is light years. You see, that's what light does. It measures. And friends, that's what God does. God is a measuring stick for us. He is a point of reference. He is not a light. He is the light. And we can measure everything we do in our lives to God. Because God doesn't move. God doesn't change. God is pure. God is holy. There's no darkness in him at all. And so when we are talking about how we want to live our lives, we have to measure it up to God. And so that answers the question, right? How should I treat my spouse? How would God treat your spouse? How should I interact with my neighbors? We measure to God's light. How should I raise my children? We want them to walk in the light of God. How do I treat my coworkers? How do I talk to them or about them? We measure it with God. How do I interact with my enemies and those I disagree with and those who may persecute me? We measure it with God's light. We use God's light, God's goodness as a measuring stick. So light reveals, light measures, and finally, light energizes. Light energizes. The most, this is to me the most dramatic quality about light. That light imparts life. It activates. It quickens. Every, when you walk outside today, everything you see that's green or everything, every vegetable, every fruit, every, every one of those things, what they do is they take the sun's light through a process which we all learned in like eighth grade, probably, maybe sooner, I don't remember. Photosynthesis, Right? It takes light, converts it, the energy of light converts it to food, and it gives the plant life. Okay, so without light, we would have no plants. Now, there's the meat eaters in here would be like, I don't care, I'll just eat steak all day. What do you think cows eat, bro? With no plants, we have no animals, we have no food, but with no light, we have no plants. Light energizes. I'm an I'm a avid outdoorsman, hunter, fisherman, as, as you well know, and deer season's coming up. And um, I remember in years past being in the deer stand in like December. And contrary to popular belief, it gets cold down here. Uh, and I remember days when it'd be like 29, 30 degrees, and I'm sitting in a deer stand in the pitch dark right? Just, just sitting there, uh, first of all, intimidated, because if you've never walked through the woods at night, it's, it's weird because you can't see anything. So I'm sitting there and I'm freezing to death. Just like, please let the sun come up. Please let the sun come up. And boy, that sun comes up over the horizon and like instantly I can feel the warmth of the rays. But then this beautiful thing happens. And this is why I think I like hunting more than I do actually bang hunting is as that sun comes up and the light starts to cascade through the forest and through the woods, you hear the birds wake up 
You hear the, them start singing, the squirrels start. The, basically, the woods come back to life. Every day in history, they do that because light energizes. Scripture says God is light. He is the source of our hope. He is our energy giver. He is the one we draw from when we are weary and our souls are downcast and tired. Robert Russell tells this story. He says about 40 years ago, there was a house in the entrance of his subdivision and they kept their Christmas lights not only up, but they kept them burning all through the month of January. He said, even though Christmas season was long past, and then February came and their outside lights were burning every night. And about the middle of February, he said, I became very critical. And I said to my wife, you know what? If we were too lazy to take our Christmas lights down, at least we wouldn't turn them on every night. But he said, then the middle of March came and he understood why they left those lights on. There was a sign in the yard that simply read, welcome home. Jimmy. And he had learned that they had a son named Jimmy who had been fighting a war in Vietnam. And they had unashamedly left their Christmas lights on in anticipation for him to come home. Friends, light energizes. God has left his light on for us. I don't know if you've ever been spelunking or you've been in a cave. Uh, I have, and I actually got lost one time in a cave. That is creepy. And so like a person lost in a cave and you're trying to find your way out and you turn a corner and all of a sudden you see light, man, the hope that generates in your heart. Much like maybe a person who's stuck on a life raft at sea and it's the middle of the night and there's nothing but darkness, but all of a sudden they see a ship's light coming their way and they know rescue is on the way. Light energizes. And I have found that people in darkness are very often delighted to see light because it's a symbol of hope. John 12, Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And the world which we live in today is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And people are groping to find their way out. Now, let me just dispel a misnomer here. Okay, things aren't worse than they've been, right? Things aren't, every generation thinks that this is like, the millennials, they're going to ruin this country, or, or, or whatever generation you want to be. My, Gen X, man, the baby boomers, they're going to ruin it. And so evil has always been here. In fact, it was so bad in the, in the book of Genesis that God had to destroy the earth with a flood and start over. It's not that bad yet. So what I want you to understand is that darkness is, is always here. But Jesus said that he was the light of the world. And the attributes of light reflect the hopeful impact that the light of Jesus still can make on our lives today. Amen. I love what the prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah 9, 2. He says this, the people who walked in darkness, and that was me, that was me. Man, I walked in so much darkness in my younger years. I mean, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Why? Because God has left his light on. Those who have dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them 
has light shown. You see, God is light. He reveals, he measures, and he energizes. Now just think about theology 101. God reveals through his goodness that we're sinners. His light shines in the corner of our hearts where the deepest, darkest secrets lay and exposes them. God measures through what the Bible calls the law. The law was never intended to make you behave more. The law was intended to make us see that we've broken the law and we can't fix ourselves. And so after that, God energizes through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to cleanse us of our sins. Light reveals, measures, and energizes. About a year ago, uh, my wife, uh, Lindy, when the sun comes in our room in the morning, doesn't matter what time it is, it wakes her up. Okay, and she got tired of, you know, waking up sometimes at 5.30 in the morning. So she bought these things called blackout curtains. Anybody have blackout curtains in their bedroom? Okay, these things are awesome, right? So you put those curtains up, and, I mean, they, they do, the ones we got from Amazon, they work really good. Uh, you can go, like today, after church, if I wanted to, I could go in there and, and watch a movie. I would feel like I'm in a theater, okay? But just centimeters away, through that little pane of glass, you've got all this light trying to get in, but it is blacked out. It can't get in. My fear for some of you, is that's what you're doing right now in your lives. You have put up blackout curtains. Maybe it's your, your own sin or the shame that you feel over that sin or your pride. And God is right there centimeters away. But we have blacked him out. And the net result of that is you have lost your joy. You have lost your joy. Maybe it is not your sin, your shame, your guilt. Maybe it is because you've been focusing on the darkness of this world. Friends, you will not have joy if all you do is sit around and watch CNN news. You will not. And this one's going to hurt for some of you. You will not have joy if you sit around and watch Fox News all day. You will not. Because they don't dwell on what is right and true and lovely and pure and good. And for some of you, you've had a lot of spare time on your hands for this coronavirus. And you've sat there day after day, not on air on Facebook. And it's just like putting blackout curtains up saying, you know what? This world is bad. There's no hope. God can't work. God can't move. Friends, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.